This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent both home and away, James Pearce. He's currently in Germany on a spying mission on Bayern Munich. Very much uh, away. Very very away, yes. Um, in fact, Bayern Munich are away. They're at Augsburg. Yep. Uh, and as you can probably tell from his dulcet tones, I'm joined by the tallest member of the sports desk, Paul Ghost. Hi Paul. Hello Ian, how are you? I'm fine, yourself? Yeah, yeah, very well. Excellent. Also joined by the most easterly member of the sports desk, it's Connor Dunn. Hi Connor. Hi Ian, I'd like to claim southerly too. Oh, it's it's. Are you southerly though? You certainly. Well, I think you're more southern than me. Yeah. And also our most Bolton. Of, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to come up with me. Of, of uh, sports tech cooperatives. That's the uh, Theo Squires. Hello, Theo. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm good. Cheers, you. I'm still fine. Thank you very much. Now, Paul. Glad nothing's changed in that <laughs> 10 seconds. <laughs> We've got a lot of space to fill, believe me. Um, now, there's been no games this week, Paul. However, Liverpool have been spending the entire week over in Marbella on a training camp, uh, looking ahead to the buying game next Tuesday. Uh, the main talking point has been the guy who wasn't there. That's Dejan Lovren. And yes. it looks like he's very unlikely to be playing against Bayern. Uh, Jurgen Klopp has said that Liverpool are planning for life without him, at least for that game. Joe Gomez is injured. Virgil van Dijk is suspended. That leaves Joel Matip and then somebody else playing at centre-back. Not great, is it? No, it's a, it's a massive issue, isn't it? Um, it kind of comes back to me why did Jürgen Klopp feel the need to offload Ragnar Klavan? I don't know, that's... I wrote this at the time. That's, I wrote this it's at very the time, much yeah. being wise after the events because I don't think a lot of people would have seen it being too much of an issue back in August. But he wanted to give the player what he wanted and, and sold them on and now Liverpool are a centre-back short in, in one of the biggest games of the season it's it's a worry for Liverpool long term because let's face it Van Dijk is the only centre-back who has got some sort of durability about him Joe Gomez has been desperately unlucky with a, a series of long-term setbacks Dayan Lovren's in and out I think I read somewhere though that he's uh, never started any more than nine games yes you did read Liverpool, it I did yeah. <laughs> great piece where. that is a great article by whoever wrote that yeah, yeah. one of the things I've read today yeah. um, so He's been here four and a half years and he's still yet to play 10 consecutive games for Liverpool. That, that's another massive issue. And there are doubts for me, at least, about Joel Matip's um, ability to, to be a Liverpool player, a top Liverpool really? centre-back. that's a bit harsh, do you not think? Uh, <clears throat> no, I, I said that we did a podcast a couple of weeks back. Not sure whether you were in, actually, just after the West Ham game. And I suggested I'm not sure that he's... Um, he's what Liverpool need. Uh, as a four-choice centre-back, he's, he's decent enough. But when injuries hit, as they have done now, Liverpool left with him as the only senior centre-back, and I'm not sure whether he's, he's top level. Um, so Matip alongside Fabinho is probably the best-case scenario for Liverpool, and that's a big worry against a team of Bayern Munich's quality. Connor, people, well, managers always say they want two players for each position. That's 22 players. Liverpool got four centre-backs. That should be enough, shouldn't it? Is it, is it just that fans and maybe myself because I've written this story saying Liverpool need to sign another centre-back for other reasons obviously but you know, how many centre-backs do you need? Four should be enough shouldn't it? Because they're all internationals. Yeah you, you'd think so um, but I do completely agree with what Gorsty says. I think if you look at Joel Matip as a fourth choice centre-back you think yeah that, that's good and you know he can come in and do a job in cup games or whatever if players need a break but if you get to the stage where two players are injured and you've got to rely on 
Matip and Lovren, who is a decent centre-back, but, you know, as we've seen throughout his career at Liverpool, he has been injured a lot. If, if you're relying on those two as your first two centre-back choices, then I think you're in a bit of a worry. I think maybe it's not necessarily the the amount of players. Um, it might just be the quality, and I mean that in terms of even injury-prone, um, because you can buy players that are more injury-prone mm. than others. So four should be enough, yeah, but the right four is the important thing. But Lovren and Matip were the centre-backs that got them in the Champions League. 2016-17 but but that, that, was think, a, that was a position yeah. where Liverpool it was their Achilles heel at the time and everyone knew it was wasn't it true but we're not saying that they're the two players going forward Theo are we were saying that they're, they're, they could be two players who in this kind of situation they can do a job surely they, they could do a job but it's Bayern Munich they're playing it's not the everyday Premier League oppositions um, yeah Bayern aren't the same force they were they're very much a side in transition um, for number of years we've seen Iron Robin, Frank Ribery dominating the wings. Those two probably aren't going to play against Liverpool. So you're looking at Lewandowski. So maybe they're not the same force there. But I still have concerns about Joel Matip going up against Lewandowski. Cause, like, He's played, yeah. He'll have played against him a few times in Germany, though. Yeah, he will. But usually the best players... Usually the best players in Germany get signed by Bayern Munich. Mm. So the fact that he was allowed to go on a free and it's Liverpool who signed him rather than Bayern Munich shows that he's maybe not rated there as much as other players. And you look at Bayern's defence as well, that's suspect too. So he, I just, I've always had doubts about him. Um, he very much struck me as someone who was the short-term option for Liverpool aside in transition at the time. And they weren't in a position to go and say, get Virgil van Dijk for 75 million or any centre-back of that capability. And now they've got that centre-back, he sort of served his purpose. Yes, he can do the job as the fourth choice option. And it's probably the same for Lovren to an extent as well because of the injury problems, because age is catching up on him. So it is a position of have to look in the future. But having those two together, it's ironic really, Fabinho is probably the one I feel most confident about. That's a little bit harsh, I think. It's <laughs> a little bit harsh. You'd sooner have a centre midfielder, or admittedly a right-back as well, playing there instead of Lovren and Matip together. As he was were. good against Brighton. Lovren when he's good against Wolves as well, wasn't yeah. Yeah. Lovren when he's good is very good. When he's not, we, we've well, all the, seen what's happened. We have, to, we have to assume that he's not playing. We have to assume yeah. that he's yeah, not playing. So, so you, you, Matip, he's your fourth choice centre-back then. But, you know, that, this is... This is his job, isn't it? He's played, I think it's something like 12 games this season, something like played more than Lovren's played. Yeah, and as Connor says, for, for a fourth-choice centre-back, Matip is perfectly adequate. But your fourth-choice centre-backs are normally playing in cup games and League Cup, FA Cup. And to be fair, this is a cup game. It is, yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's the biggest <laughs> cup competition in, in the world, isn't it? And it's, it's getting down to the nitty-gritty. So I, I, I hope I'm being a bit harsh on Joel, Joel Matip. I hope he brings to brings to the fore his form that he showed when he was first it, at Liverpool but I'm not sure how much of that form was just Liverpool fans hadn't been used to a decent centre-back for, for quite a while and, and maybe exaggerated how good he was It's the worry um, with Matip The that, fact he marauds up the pitch with the ball is a well, worry it, it, Yeah, he does do that a lot but mm. it's the fact that he's not the commanding centre-back that Van Dijk is You see, Van Dijk's one of these players who we've mentioned several times in the past that he makes players better You look, every single player mm. that's played alongside him has, has ended up appearing better because of his organisational skills and the fact he, he dominates that back line but Matip regardless of who plays alongside him, and we'll go into that in a minute, he's going to have to be the one that sets the tone, isn't he? He is. He's going to be the, the senior centre-back, isn't he? Whoever plays alongside him. Um, and he isn't Van Dijk, and, and not many defenders are, but he doesn't have that same air of authority. He's not aggressive enough, uh, or as aggressive as Van Dijk is. He's not as good in the air. So there's quite a lot of 
of uh, worries for Liverpool going into this one at the back. The, the hope is that it's a, a cliche Anfield European night and Liverpool come out the blocks firing and, and they, they blow Bayern away in the first half. And he has, of course, got a head shaped like a 50 pence piece, judging by some of his heads. <laughs> um, so, Connor, who would we say we would like to see alongside Matip then? The options are Fabinho, we've mentioned. Henderson Jordan Henderson, who was supposed to play the, I think it was against Wolves in the yeah. FA mm-hmm. Cup. Mm-hmm. In the last minute, there was a, a withdrawal and he couldn't, he couldn't play. I think it was the, he was injured in training, wasn't he, the, the day before. Genie Van Aldum's played there as well, admittedly in a three. That was at Brighton last season. Which one would you see best fit considering that if you take Fabinho yeah, out of the midfield he's obviously then there's another problem there I've already done a piece on this mm. hopefully you read it yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> of course you've got an issue if you take Fabinho out of the midfield he's kind of come well, he has made that position his own hasn't he he's been absolutely sensational he's totally changed Liverpool's midfield given a bit of a new dynamic but I think just looking at Wolves considering that's the first time he's ever played in that position he just purely showed his versatility I thought it was really good and then followed that up against Brighton and didn't actually put a foot wrong um, when I was down on the south coast watching him um, because I just particularly paid attention to him because I didn't actually see much of him in the Wolves game watching it on TV of Fabinho specifically um, and I just think he looks pretty assured there he's quite an aggressive he's decent tackling um, and I think he would just give something different to Liverpool's back line than maybe Wijnaldum or Henderson would and I think those two filling in the midfield and I suppose you've got to give it probably comes on this in a minute but Keita a go again because he was good with Leipzig in the Bundesliga would have played teams like Bayern Munich so I think it's got to be hasn't it Fabinho yeah same Fabinho as well I'd yes. say Fabinho the only alternative I see is if they change formation and say have Andy Robertson as a left-sided centre-back oh, the back three that it won't happen, happen. Won't I don't want it to happen <laughs> but it's the only alternative because he's one of the few players who has got that experience but uh, like I was saying earlier Fabinho is the one I'm most confident about because he is arguably the one most like Van Dijk with that physical nature on the pitch, that confidence on the ball. Um, yeah, Henderson, you'd do a job, but we saw when he was at right back against Leicester, they were still a bit suspect defensively, trying to work out where he was. Whereas Fabinho didn't have that because he's used to playing in defence before for Brazil and in France with Monaco. There's one option we haven't actually discussed and it would be really out there. Keanu Hoover was drafted into the Liverpool Champions League squad uh, alongside Alex Oxley Chamberlain, wasn't he? It's it's out there, but it's it's an it's option. out there and mm. it's staying out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not advocating it, Michelle, yeah. but it is it is. Well, the fact that the fact that we're even mentioning that, the fact that mentioning a lad who's played one game mm. for Liverpool, he wasn't even at the club. He's, 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 he's 17 now. and they only got him in September. You know, he's played, he made his under 18 state, we're thinking of September, yeah. October. Mm. So it's like the fact that we even mentioned that. You could even talk about, uh, I think it was the Torino game, the warm up game this season, the when Nat, 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 Phillips, Nat Phillips played. And he's been injured for most of the season. I think he's, he's been back out there in Marbella, but he's probably not going to come into consideration, although he could make it onto the bench, I suppose. Yeah, the fact he's in that squad is a testament to his ability as well. Now, yeah. And then obviously, him saying at the time, he deals really well with people like Salah in training, which is obviously no small feat. But in a 90 minute match against people like Lewandowski, it's just not happening, is it? Yeah. So is no one saying Henderson? No, I don't think he can Fabinho's be. Fabinho's fit, no. I think I prefer Henderson in the midfield with Fabinho in the defence than with the other way round. It's interesting because Fabinho has had his issues. Gorst, he, tra- uh, he, he missed a few days training yeah. in Marbella, a muscle complaint. This isn't something new for him. It's quite a lot of injuries stacking up now for Liverpool. It tends to be kind of in the same positions. Is this a worry or is it just something that just happens at this time of year? Especially when they've, they've come out of the whole December, January. Yeah. I mean, busy, busy stage. It, yeah, it, it does happen, but it doesn't mean it's not a worry, does it? Um, Liverpool have been really unlucky with injuries over the last 
six weeks or so, hasn't he? Um, Lovren, Alexander-Arnold, Milner, Fabinho. Um, yeah, it's just... It, it does seem to be that uh, period, doesn't it, after Christmas where Liverpool played so many games. And, and in December, was it? how many did it play? Was it eight, eight games? It was nine, wasn't it? Nine, in, in one month, that's, that's remarkable. I think a lot of it does stem from that and the, the hard-pressing, hard-running style that Klopp implements anyway. It's not a criticism of Klopp's style of play, that's what's brought them so far this, this season, but injuries do tell now and again. And Liverpool's squad isn't... Uh, they've got cover in certain areas, but it's not... Not a squad like Manchester City's, is it, where they can just, you know, make do without Kevin De Bruyne for for six months and still be right at the very top. Um, it's part and parcel of football, isn't it? Given all the uncertainty, then Connor at the back, how important is it that Trent's back, and also how important will Allison be in goal? Because I know that he's another person who's quite commanding. He likes to organise the defence. Perhaps this may be a game where he steps up a little bit. Yeah, of course. I think they're going to be both absolutely vital. Um, Trent firstly I think just gives Liverpool such a good outlet down the right and we've obviously spoken about when we've watched people fill in at right back you realise just how good Trent has been in that position um, he's come on such a long way in such a short space of time and it's such an incredible rise to see him and it obviously been amazing to have him back of course he hasn't had any game time apart from that 20 minutes against um, Bournemouth, Bournemouth. Yeah. but you know, it wasn't out for a massive amount of time. No, though, was he'd he, so. be pretty confident in coming back in and still being pretty fresh and pretty ready, especially after this break and in two sessions a day training in Marbella and things. He should be should be there. But yeah, the outlet down the right hand side when he's not actually doing his defensive duties as well, I think is a massive addition to Trent's game and will really help Liverpool bring the ball out of the back line. If you haven't quite got the ball playing ability and the calmness on the ball as Van Dijk has got. Um, again, yeah, as you say, Alisson, you know, will command hopefully that backline because, you know, he was what he likes to do. Obviously, you've got Van Dijk to do that job with that four. But if there isn't somebody in there who naturally is doing that, then I think he will step up. He will look to do that and point people where they want them to be. Theo, was the training camp in Marbella then come at a good time because it's given Liverpool quite an intense period to get used to the fact that Fabinho or Henderson or whoever he's going to be playing at centre-back will be playing at centre-back and they've been able to just train in with that all the way through the week. Yeah, definitely. Like we saw against um, Leicester, that that was in this thick run of games that you're learning the position at the time for Henderson at right back. So to have this week to just sit, get drilled into the players, they obviously whoever's playing centre back is going to be feeling a lot more comfortable there. And with um, all these injuries in defence, it's been very much chopping, changing in defence the whole way through. Even back to the United game when Nathaniel Klein was at right back. Um, so now you'd imagine Jurgen Klopp's had an idea very early on because they've known for so long that Van Dijk is not available, that Lovren probably won't be available, what this back four is going to be. So the players probably know what this back four is going to be and then they can play in front of Alisson. So you're hoping there's that bit more stability there. you just got to hope that there's no more injuries or illness. They can probably get that bug out the system going into the game. And it's probably a great game for Trent to come back into uh, Robertson to just carry on because they're not against the experienced winners that Bayern have had so for so long. It's still going to be Serge Gnabry, we'd expect, and Kingsley Coman. And they're, they're talented players, but they're still raw players. So that's going to be very interesting to watch them go head-to-head on the wings. Of course, the fact that everybody's... Well, OK, some Liverpool fans are not panicking, but, but a little bit concerned about this. Does that underline just how important Virgil van Dijk's become? In fact, this is now going to be a glimpse, isn't it, of life without him? <laughs> yeah, it's a, a worrying glimpse as well, isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't think anyone... Um, Needed reminding how important he was, but not having him in the team, it just brings back defensive frailties that a lot of people have tried to forget about and haven't really been there after this season when Van Dyke's been there. So 
it's um, look at it's it's telling the players who are playing to step up and, and show that it's not going to be the terminal effect that, that some have, have perhaps predicted. Um, Would you have sooner have Van Dyke banned for missing the first home game or the away game? Oh, the home game definitely. Um, I, I think the the um, really I'd sooner have missed the away one. Really? Yeah. I, I think the home game. I think the the whole the passion of the evening and you know the the frenetic approach from Liverpool on the night it'll just I think that could be enough and Liverpool might not have to do an awful lot of defending but in the in the alliance Liverpool are going to have to be on, on the back foot for, for most of the game aren't they and you need someone like Van Dijk just in there and repelling it all I think I'm with you Doyle I think I'd rather have him playing the home game to avoid an away goal that's exactly my my school of thought, and not the school of thought from Connor. Judging by the look on his face when I just said that, <laughs> no, I just I just think the way Liverpool will come out and play in those first forty five minutes against Bayern, the excitement, how amped it will be, I think will carry them through that, regardless of yeah. what the defence is. I think the most of the play, I'm assuming, and I'm pretty confident of it will be in Bayern Munich's final third. So the fact of the defensive pairings, I don't think it's going to matter too too much in the first half. I may be proved wrong, but I'm. Hopefully, I'm pretty confident I'm not going to be. A lot of this might come down to the way Bayern approach the game, mightn't it? They may just go, well, we can get an away goal here and go for it, and that could then fall, fall into Liverpool's hands. Or they might just go, now nah, we're just going to keep it steady. We're just going to see what we can get when we're just hitting on the break. That's where all these defensive options for Liverpool could actually play into the hands, because Bayern don't know what they're going to be playing against, but that might make them a bit reckless or a bit more ruthless, thinking we can get a few away goals here. And then if Liverpool are counter-attacking, as we've seen them destroy teams in Europe in the past, that plays into that hands. So it could be a very open game. Um, that first goal is going to be vital, isn't it? If uh, Liverpool get it early on, then Bayern will probably think, fair enough, sit back, we can do the job at the Allianz Arena. But if Bayern score, the Liverpool are going to have to be very wise. It's going to have to be a very mature performance from what could be a very inexperienced defence. I think a slight issue for Liverpool this season is last season on their march to the Champions League final, they didn't have household names, did they? Andy Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, even Virgil van Dijk to an extent. Um, a lot of teams probably wouldn't have paid Liverpool the respect that they, they deserved at the time. And, and this this time around, last season's finalists going again. I think teams will be a lot more aware of Liverpool's strengths and, and weaknesses. And, and um, that is probably a, an issue for Liverpool this season. The Liverpool favourites. Jurgen Klopp wasn't very happy this week when he was made out that you know he, he was given the impression that he just had to turn up to win. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> they're absolutely not favourites, are they? To be honest, um, you cannot underestimate what Bayern Munich have got, and similarly, you can't underestimate what Liverpool have got. And despite Bayern having injuries, they still have an incredibly talented set of players. Like, let's not forget, they're not top of the Bundesliga at the minute, but they are five points behind Dortmund and yeah. they're going to be pushing for the title come the end of the season as they are every single season. They're a huge European club and to say that any team out of Liverpool or Bayern would be our and our favourites is, is wrong. <laughs> but then I'd say uh, Bayern's name carries them more than the team at the moment, but that's probably partly because of how Spurs got past Well, Dortmund. I was going to mention Dortmund saying that, look, if, if Dortmund are top of the... I know it doesn't work like this most yeah. of the time, but <laughs> Dortmund are top of the German league and they just got top three at Tottenham. And if Spurs have done that without Harry Kane, without mm. Deli Alley, um, I think they had, what, Son and Lucas Moura leading lines, who are predominantly midfielders. They've gone and done that against the best team in Germany with their own problems. So surely that should, hopefully, if you want to think very logically, when it doesn't this work like football. that. This is football. We don't do <laughs> logic in football. Hopefully then Liverpool can do the job. Yeah. I, I will throw in as well. Um, the only game in Europe Van Dijk has missed since he joined the club Liverpool kept a clean sheet go on Porto oh there you go oh, yeah. that doesn't count <laughs> that was like a nothing game <laughs> yeah, I just don't even remember that game at all 
Um, th- what was the point I was going to make then? Um, yeah, Liverpool need a night like you Spurs. Have a conversation like, with yourself. We'll, you know, we'll just wait for you. Liverpool need a night like Spurs the other, the other evening where maybe like Manchester City last season where they get 90% of the job done on the night at Anfield. Well, I think that's one of the things that people weren't massively bothered about Liverpool finishing second in their group because they've shown that they can come through by winning, dealing it with the home. They did it with Roma as well, didn't they? Just about. Yeah. That that was another one of them games, wasn't it, where the, the switch flicked on and Liverpool were ran away with it. That was that was one of the best, best performances. For 70 minutes it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, for, actually, it was more like for 50 because the first 20, Roma were very good, I every, thought. Yeah, every time Liverpool went forward in that game, it looked like they were going to score. And, and Mohamed Salah, they game that you, you see once every 10 years from, a, from an, an individual he was so good that night and it'd be great to see him again like that on Tuesday night now in, a, in a neat segue obviously Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain got injured in that game and he, he's now back in training he was over in Marbella Connor a lot of fans I know it was about four or five weeks ago where Jurgen Klopp said he's ahead of schedule and some people think oh he could be back for the Bayern game obviously he's not going to be and he won't be back for the second leg either but Again, it's encouraging to see him out there joining in, isn't it? Yeah, of course. It's obviously really exciting to see a player that of that talent and that calibre and how he played for Liverpool last season and how he's performed and how he's regarded clearly on that training pitch coming back, giving not just fans, but the players, the staff, all a boost because obviously it's incredible to see him back after such a long time out. I think expectations might need to be tempered slightly, not just in terms of when he's going to return, but just how he's going to play when he returns. Of course, the coaching staff, and of course, he'll be working extremely hard to get back up to his peak and be coming out playing and fighting as hard as he can for Liverpool. But to expect him to come out and instantly play the way he finished off and the way he was playing in the Champions League and the Premier League last season, the second half, I I think it's unrealistic because of such a long time out and uncompetitive football for such a long time. This is going to be a bonus then for Liverpool to have him back for those last maybe six weeks. Um, I think he can probably do more good off the pitch than on it. Mm. So we've seen Danny Ings over the years. He's been like that cheerleader, hasn't he? Like the, <laughs> he's been, always been injured, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the players have been delighted when he is back out there. And we saw that joy when Danny Ings got that goal, wasn't it, at West, West Brom. Brom? Yeah. And that was not the most important game. So if Oxlade Chamberlain just coming onto the pitch for five, ten minutes at the end of the game, if it's at home especially, that's going to get the place even more rocking. It's oh, going the to fans get, will love yeah. it, don't they? And then the, um, the players, they're going to be up for it as well. They're going to be wanting to achieve things for it. Um, if we want to get a little bit ambitious here, he needs uh, five games for a Premier League winners medal. <laughs> Just leave that out there. <laughs> you need five? Yeah, only five these days. Really? I, I used to be like 10, didn't it? Yeah, they nine, yeah. Them. I don't know anybody could do it. Do you reckon you got a chance for Just, yeah, just get yourself you know, out I'm, there. I'm still you know, waiting for the call to answer window shut though, isn't it? You're free agents. Oh, right. You're okay, yeah. to sign, yeah. Well, no, yeah, no yeah, free. knows where, where I am if we need to. <laughs> Striker or centre-back. Pull number and strike it. Pull.com to reachklc.com. <laughs> nice first touch, that's probably all yeah. <laughs> Second touch of tackle. That kind of thing, yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. He wasn't the only player who's been out there, uh, who's been lesser spotted over the last year. That's Ryan Brewster was there yes. as well. He's been, uh, he's been, he's come across quite enthusiastic on social media, hasn't he? You can tell he's quite made up. And don't forget, this is a player who's never played senior football for Liverpool. But there's so much hope. Uh, you know, Jurgen Klopp's got so yeah. much faith in him that he, he could be somebody who, if he gets back to form, could save Liverpool a bit of bob in the next couple of years. Yeah, he's been so unlucky. Um, he was, he was earmarked, wasn't he, by Klopp as someone who might play a bit of a part this season, um, whether that be cup games or coming on for the last 10 or 15 minutes. Just just basically blooding them into the team in the same way perhaps Trent Alexander-Arnold's been. And then he got that awful ankle injury 13 months ago and it's just such a huge shame for a young player of, you know, 
just just making his way in the game and trying to start a career at a club like Liverpool that he's just had a massive setback and it's, it must have been so frustrating for him but thankfully now he's on the mend and he's, he's back training he's in Marbella with the first team and all um, all signs are positive for him so um, hopefully Liverpool might see him uh, make his debut before the end of the season Doesn't it seem like forever since Liverpool played a game? Doesn't it feel like the Bournemouth yeah. game feels like it was months it ago? Does it feel was like six days ago. It was six days ago. Just trying to bridge the gap, aren't we, until the next press well, conference on Monday and then going for it. I know that you've spoken about Bayern being a nice distraction for Liverpool from those pressures yeah. of the Premier League. Do you reckon the players will have felt that over in Marbella? Because they wouldn't really have been thinking of the United game, which is not for another you know, nine or ten days. Yeah, I think they will have as well, to be honest. I think it takes as bizarre as this is going to be it takes a little bit of the pressure off for the players too mm. um, just because it's not sole focus Premier League we need to win this next game we need to win this next game we need to City are probably going to win we, we're going to need to win although you know they'll always trot out the line they're never interested in what City do they will definitely be yeah, well yes. aware they'll know exactly what's <laughs> yeah. going on yeah. um, I was just going to say though on, on Brewster and the fact you say you know he always hasn't played for the first team yet and the fact he is so excited and clearly so happy to be around that um, set up just I think it's been spoken about before just shows you how good Klopp is at managing players and managing players through their injuries and just letting players know that he's thinking about them they're not forgotten I think Wilson's come out and said today that Klopp texts him from time to time as well just saying he's had a good performance here and there and he just he knows he's still a Liverpool player and I just think it's a really nice thing with the youngsters and people coming through despite injuries or if they're playing elsewhere that, that Klopp is doing a really good job with them I mean, What do you make of Brewster? What have you seen of him? Um, I saw him in the Youth World Cup where I think got everyone excited there um, but then he's another player that you're going to have to have realistic expectations on he's coming back from a very serious injury um, yeah he's a youth striker but Solanke had more experience than him and we saw how Solanke struggled uh, well, he got £19 million pounds for him yeah though. so um, but is Brewster really the next big thing is he in a year's time going to be that go-to option on the bench ahead of well in place of storage in place of Origi or is it something where it's going to be a case of two years, three years, easing him in, seeing what he's got, and then maybe cashing in? We we don't know. We've not seen him at all. He's played, what, under-18s football, under-23s football. It's a big ask to step up after especially such a long period on the sidelines. And we will talk very briefly then about the title race, because, you know, that that's, is what most fans want to see Liverpool win the Premier League. United played in the Champions League at the week, uh, on Tuesday, got beat by Paris Saint-Germain 2-0, could have been more. They were they were pretty not great. Got scored second half. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after the game said, look, this was a reality check. Some of these players are probably, you know, they've forgotten what it's like to be at this this top level. I think they've only won one game in the knockout stage of the Champions League since 2011. Under Moyes, wasn't it? Moyes, yeah. wasn't it? When they beat Olympiacos. But... I think the couple of United's players went off and that's when it all changed when Rashford yeah. and Lingard, Lingard. Lingard. Uh, Ma- no it wasn't Rashford sorry it was uh, Martial, Martial and Lingard, Martial Lingard yeah. went off looks like they might be missing against Liverpool that's yeah. going to be a bonus isn't it oh huge yeah um, seen quite early on Solskjaer doesn't really seem to fancy Alexis Sanchez too much or Romelu Lukaku he, he's gone with the, the patient mobility of Martial Lingard and, and Rashford and it's worked hasn't it he's, what, the, has he won 9 of 10 before Tuesday night's defeat <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, once I they... can now officially confirm that they're both out. By the way, oh, this, right, is, how, this right. is how the live podcast that we are recording mm, breaking. Yep. Well, <laughs> that, that's a huge plus for Liverpool because they're both in great form, particularly Martial. Um, you see, once they went off, uh, PSG just pushed up without any fear in the second half and really took a stranglehold of the game and took the tie away from United. It should have been more than two nil, and PSG should um, reach the quarterfinals now after that second half performance. And it all stems from 
the two key players coming off injured. So that's great news for Liverpool. They won't have to worry about that next uh, Sunday, is it? Next, yeah, week on yeah. Sunday, yeah. Well, of course, PSG were without two yeah, decent players. Say, you know, <laughs> without, yeah, without Neymar and Cavani. Obviously, you know. obviously, the difference being that they, were pre- they could prepare without them. And that almost brings us back to Liverpool against Bayern, where Liverpool are going to be able to prepare this amount of time without the players so they know what they're going to be expecting. Yeah, of course. Um, I think particularly with Man United in that game, I think you just saw a couple of weaknesses in what was looking like a really buoyed side. Um Discipline particularly has been an issue for United across this whole season. I think they're top of the unfair play chart, I'll call it. Or the bottom of the fair play. Yeah, yeah, that would, that would do. <laughs> top of the unfair play chart. Young was really lucky not to get sent off after pushing yeah. Dima into the side. Obviously, Pogba was sent was off. Funny, you just, I just think you can kind of rile them a little bit and get in their faces and are you suggesting you can rile Manchester United if you can't rile Manchester United as a Liverpool player then something must be no wrong. I mean just generally as a whole I think United have a weakness in that this season I, I just think the players temperaments aren't quite there if that makes sense um, and also I think they looked pretty vulnerable in set pieces that night um, I think that PSG had a lot more chances off corners than they possibly should have done mm. and I think what men, men you know, should going the other way there was just nothing to show so I think there's Definitely things for Liverpool to look at and be confident with. And Liverpool are, I think they are top of the, the yeah, they're they the, bot, the bottom of the unfair play <laughs> and top of the final <laughs> unfair play. play. Yeah, yeah. Quiet yeah. boys. Uh, yeah. And they won it last two years in a row. So, what does that tell us? Um, that they don't win ugly games like that. They're um, clever. Yeah, they're yeah. Team of the dark arts. The dark arts. Nobody sees the fouls. Didn't yeah. he say it after the uh, PSG away game? Ironically, yeah. that uh, Liverpool didn't have that nastiness about them when they got so many bookings. Mm. They don't. Do you think it's because of the way that they... On the field? Do you think you should foul more? Is that what no. you're saying? Just, uh, Lucas has left, remember, he used to get all of the bookings. Just, just have just a little, little bit more of a nasty streak. I always come back to this one example in the Champions League final when Sergio Ramos, the you know the pantomime villain of the piece, dives to get Sadio Mane booked and Mane helps him up with a big smile on his face. I just don't think Liverpool have got enough um, none of the players who are streetwise in their team um, it's not the biggest problem to have but I, I certainly think Liverpool need a, a few more um, bar stewards so we say <laughs> you say <laughs> Henderson's what potentially one of those sorts of players and oh, that's what cost Liverpool the league in 13-14 no, no that was Victor Moses' poor pass okay that, that's I'll never forgive him for I would have massively <laughs> agreed with you on that last season but literally watching Liverpool a couple of times this season I think it's just started to creep into their game a little bit and I've written a piece about this <laughs> <laughs> but no they just I don't know they seem to be able to win or know how to win games a little bit more just by taking it down to their tempo just think, by the do you think like, sorry to interrupt do you think the likes of Fabinho and him coming in Without he's he's a Allison as well. They, yeah, they, and Van Dijk as well, actually, to be fair. It's quite clever at yeah. slowing the game down and, you know, moving the ball away and th- little things like that. It's, it's good to see, actually. Well, Shakiri did that, didn't he? Very early in the season at Leicester, he came on when Liverpool yeah. were under the caution. He just kept them running the ball into the into the corner flag. This yeah. was like 20 minutes to go as well, just to try and win free kicks. And that's what you need, isn't it? If you're going to win trophies. So you, look at, you, know, you look at United under Mourinho, they weren't particularly brilliant, but... Wow, it didn't go so well this season for him in the league where he did his normal third season meltdown. You've still won how many trophies? Were they? It was two. They won three trophies. Yeah, two trophies. That's right. Yeah. Trust yeah. you to make it about United there. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> we, well, they are playing them next. To be fair, yeah, there are great <laughs> teams that use that, tech, that use that tactic, aren't there? Yeah. Loads of them. Well, it's um, telling that the players we talk about here, Shakiri, Fabinho, uh, Van Dijk, they're the players in the Liverpool squad that have won league titles in yes, other countries. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's quite a few players like that in Liverpool squad. Milner. Like, Milner, Mills, um, yeah. Sturridge has won the league, but then even you go through the more obscure ones, um, the Austrian Bundesliga, we've got Mane, we've got Cater, 
There's plenty of experience. They all count. They do all count. <laughs> well, Klopp yeah. himself. But then again, Klopp, as you said, as you said, Paul, that he, he doesn't like to do it that way, does he? And he's proven that you can do it when you can beat the nasty Bayern Munich that, you know, they're not exactly massively well-renowned in, in Germany if you don't support them. It seems no. to be everybody in Germany either supports Bayern Munich or hates Bayern Munich. Yeah, he has. Um, and as Theo mentioned, the Klopp's previously said that before, hasn't he? That's not his style of play and he won't entertain it. But <clears throat> particularly in Europe, you, you do have to at some point, don't you? Um, thinking about that PSG game, uh, the, the second half particularly, there's just so, so many fouls given away, just just went ready fouls, but PSG knew how to win them. Get the body in, as soon as you feel the contact, go down, win the free kick, eat up a minute on the clock and... Stuff like that's needed. Um, Liverpool didn't need it last year on the way to the Champions League final, but as you said, they needed it in the final. They could though, have benefited they? Yeah. from a little, a little bit of that in, in the final. Um, it'd be nice to see Liverpool incorporated a little bit more and um, become um, not not so much masters of the dark arts, but certainly um, certainly pupils of it. Given all of that, though, Liverpool, judging from what we see on social media, most fans from other clubs do not want to see Liverpool win the league. And this is something that, you know, the anyone but Liverpool movement has, has gained a bit of momentum. I, I, the hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, get, I uh, spoke to Jamie Carragher, though, uh, this week, and he says uh, he doesn't care about that. But he also interestingly said there's a lot, the people he bumps into in the game, former professionals or players playing at the moment, that they'd actually quite like to see Liverpool win the league because it's something different and maybe it's you know it's their turn it's been nearly 30 years since they won it okay maybe they may have been brought up knowing about the history of Liverpool and some of the fans today just see Liverpool as a team that's just never ever going to win the, the league like 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 I see Tottenham <laughs> <laughs> but I was wondering you mentioned yeah that. I was going to say yeah but is that something that Liverpool have to deal with in the coming weeks because the next two away games are Man United and Everton and you well obviously it's always difficult to go there it's going to be more difficult now is that they're going to be absolutely desperate yeah of course I think you always have to sort of in terms of the other clubs taking Man United never out of the equation for a split second it's just where you get your influences from isn't it and obviously I don't even think the Liverpool players will be one bit bothered about what James Smith from Tottenham Parish is going to be saying about them on Twitter or whatever do you know what I but, mean but it's- Tottenham had this problem in 2016 where everybody wanted Leicester to win it and while it doesn't make any difference to what the job is to do, which is to win think, games. I don't think that Liverpool, that kind of Man City or Tottenham are in a Leicester scenario. I don't think anybody is kind of vying for either team to, or any team to be like, oh yeah, I really want them to win it. Mm. It's kind of like, I don't really want City to win it. I definitely don't want Liverpool to win yeah. it. And Tottenham aren't going to win it. So like, <laughs> it's that, isn't it? But yeah, the next two games in the atmospheres, Goodison and Old Trafford are going to are going to be a factor without a shadow of a doubt, particularly considering the rivalries Liverpool have with obviously those, both those teams and they'll obviously prepare for that and players in that side have played in derbies and all these sort of games before so they'll be well aware of how to handle that as well. Would you say though, looking at it, um, when Leicester won the league, no one expected them to win it but no one expected them to then go on and do it again. Obviously they didn't but there's that feeling with Liverpool when they win that first trophy, if it's a Premier League or a Champions League, it's just going to take off. They're going to become mm. even better. Mm. Whereas if City win it, they've won it before. They, it doesn't matter if they win it this year or next year. They're going to be one of the best teams in the country. Again, next year, they're always going to challenge for those titles. Whereas Liverpool, there's still that hesitance there that if they're not delivering, the players might decide that they need to go elsewhere. They need to go yeah. to a Barcelona or a Real Madrid. Well, it's interesting you say that because I'm going to mention Manchester United again, but I'm old enough to remember when they didn't win the league for a very long time. And Liverpool played them in 92 and won 
a game near the end of the season which stopped United from winning it but you always thought at the time this is just delaying the inevitable sure enough United won the last, uh, the next two seasons won the double a couple of years after that and by the end of the decade they won the Champions League now are you basically saying Theo that the fear is that fans from opposing clubs they think well this could be the start of something massive yeah hopefully um, yeah um, you, when you're well, every football fan wants their team to win trophies and I think everyone in this country has become accustomed to, at the moment, City are that dominant team. They're the powerful team. They've got the money. Do you think it's a bit weird then that the, the, the fans who want City to win the league then? Because if they win it again, but then, it then they're, just gonna get, they're just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and then it's become less and less of a competition. But people have, sh- have regardless seen whether City Regardless of whether it's Liverpool who's going for it, say it was just Tottenham and Man City, if you'd think that more neutrals would be sporting Tottenham. Yeah, possibly, but I, I I agree with Theo's point. I think if you look at Liverpool the last 10 years, they've had scattered throughout the squad um, sprinklings of, of players who've gone on to become top, you know, world-class players like Fernando Torres and Luis Suarez, Philip Coutinho, and Mohamed Salah is in a, in a bit of a similar situation now, isn't he? But I think from the outside, a lot of fans have just thought, OK, they'll be good at Liverpool for a bit and they'll eventually go to Real Madrid or Barcelona or whatever it may be. But now, Liverpool are threatening to, to win league titles and win Champions Leagues and it's it may be viewed from the outside as these players are going to win t- win titles with Liverpool and stick around and Liverpool are going to just become a, you know, a, a winning team in the same way Manchester City have been for the last five years. Well, let's play the game of what were we doing on Wednesday night. Right, Paul, what were you doing on Wednesday night? On Wednesday night, I was at our second Blood Red live event. Uh, uh, how did it go? Went very well. Um, James Pierce was on stage with um, Jamie Webster and Paul Mayton of Redman TV. And it went very well. Um, fielded a few questions, had a little bit of a quiz with our host, Neil Fitzmaurice. And uh, it was a great night and um, hopefully there'll, there'll be more to come. Theo, this was the first one you attended, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, a bit disappointed that we couldn't enter the quiz. We and Gorsi were yeah, uh, smashing enter it. it. Well, we, t- we didn't. <laughs> we entered it last time. We, did, yeah. we didn't exactly. We did well last like, time, didn't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. We didn't, you know, push to, to stake a claim. But no, you should have just put your foot down. Yeah, just I'm the but, tallest uh, member of the sports desk. Get me in the squad. Well, <laughs> I, I did say that and I got over um, we, we were with Sean Bradbury, who's, who's going to be coming onto our team soon. And, He'd already seen the questions, so it was a bit, wow. bit unfair if, we, if we'd have entered. You could have had a, had a splinter group, couldn't you? You and Ghosty could have gone off. Yeah, we're doing fairly well. We, were, we, we, we played along anyway, and we did quite well, but um, it was won by Red Poet Society, which was uh, Les Lawson, who's, I don't know his exact title, but Liverpool fans will know who he is. Yes. He's Liverpool supporters group chairman. Um, so it was won by them. I'm not sure whether Jed Ray was in their team as well. Oh, hang on a minute. Wow. Yeah, oh, hang on a minute. No, that's just, that's a slight fix. And... Uh, Connor, how was your uh, how was your food? It was wonderful, thank you, Ian. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I was uh, I was at Chester though, watching Liverpool play in the Youth Cup against Wigan. Um, how was your food? It, you know what? It was actually quite good. I wasn't expecting anything, so that had a big deal. Yeah, well, we, we got there. We got we did butties and chips. Oh. Well played to Chester at the. No, went. I wasn't expecting it, though, was I? <laughs> to be fair, it was with Andy Kelly, formerly of this parish, and mm. I was half expecting us to stop at a KFC on the way home, but we didn't. In the end. Gone, by, gone, by a, yeah, gone by a keel down the M6. <laughs> anyway, uh, Liverpool won 2 0. It was a, I tell you what, it was a hard fought game. Wigan, uh, while they're in the, I think it's the Youth Alliance, so a couple of a completely different divisions to Liverpool, they'd been unbeaten all season and they got through. 
to the to the last uh, last sixteen, and you could there was a fair few uh, scousers and former Liverpool players or players who've been on Liverpool's books in their team, and they're managed by a scouser as well, and Peter Murphy, who used to play for Prescott Cables, and uh, <laughs> there was quite a lot of Wigan fans there actually. While it was Liverpool's home game, it was moved to Chester because St Helens Rugby League team that they play there this week at home, so oh, certainly in the next couple of weeks, so they couldn't play there. Got a bit lively. Wigan fans were proper getting. You know, all that was aimed at you, wasn't it? Well, yeah, to be fair, <laughs> from St. Helens, they did get onto that. But <laughs> Paul Glatzel and Bobby Duncan both scored inside the first 12 minutes. What a shock. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's 43 between them this season, 22 and 21. Incredible. While we don't Is that like... another piece one of you's done there? Yes, well, while we don't like to get, car- well, we don't like to get carried away by these uh, youngsters, certainly at that level, to get near to the Youth Cup final, because in the quarterfinals now, they're playing Berry away at a date to be arranged. Um... If they get to the final, that'll be on television. Two legs, it'll be played at Anfield and wherever the, the other ground is. Everton is still in it, by the way, so that'll be, that'll be interesting if they played mm. each other in the final. But it's great exposure for them. Not that, to be honest, not that Bobby Duncan or Paul Glatz will need that, really. So no, on a local level. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've they've struck up a, an incredible partnership, haven't they, at that, that level this season. Um, I've only seen them a handful of times, but every time we watch them, they, they're both live wires. Both uh, very good finishers and uh, certainly just just two more of a of an incredibly talented group of, of Liverpool youngsters who, who seem to be coming through the, the conveyor belt. Um, plenty of time on their side to to kind of make their mark, and all they need to keep doing is just just carry on the way they are. Because well, how many is it? Forty, forty-two, forty-three, forty-three. Um, yeah, just the message to them is just to, to carry on doing it. Is that just furthering the feel-good factor that's going around the club at the moment? Yeah, clearly. I think it just completely proves that all the way down through the levels that is a really good set of staff in place. And, you know, the coaching staff, the scouting staff that bring these people in, it just seems to be a brilliant setup. And you can clearly tell that from what comes out, the way the players talk about each other, even when Glatzel and Duncan talk about each other in interviews, they talk really highly of each other. And it just seems to carry through all the way down the club, which is obviously incredible to see. I mean, it's no guarantee, Theo, that these players are going to make it. Certainly at, the, at, the, at Liverpool, I think Chelsea have won the last 97 youth cups or whatever. They're <laughs> out already. But Chelsea, the one team that very rarely allow youngsters to come through. Look at uh, Hudson Odoi. He yeah. wants to go to Bayern Munich because he's not getting enough games. So, you know, Liverpool haven't won this competition since 2007. Are they due one, do you think? Um, yeah, they're probably due one. But then the youth cup. It's one of those where you can have a talented group at that age group, mm. but you have these teams that are playing 15, 16 year olds because the 18 year olds are higher up in playing for the reserves. Um, and it's just about who comes through at that set time. I think we've had a few talented Liverpool age groups over the years that have gone close, um, I think mainly to 0809. Um, when you think, I think Tom Ince, that, that age yeah, group yeah. with uh, like Alex Kakaniklich. I've only said his name just to show I can say it. <laughs> and then he got to Fulham. Yeah, to Fulham, he's didn't he? just been released from, I think, Nantes. Prison? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's over in um, so, yeah, there were a few talented players there and then it's just who can push on yeah. to that next level and it's too early to say who will push on to that level out of that group. You see then who steps up. It's more reassuring for me that they're playing 23s football rather than they're going for the FA Youth Cup. Yeah. Well, yeah. then, you, you, well, they're going to say you have a look at the two examples of Trent and Hoover, who've just bypassed not all of that, but they've certainly missed out a lot of that because they were outstanding talents anyway. These, this is more for the players who aren't obviously going to make it straight away, but perhaps need a little bit more time to like, develop like m- nearly every other player. Yeah. Well, teams at that level aren't looking to to win trophies, are they? They're just looking to to develop the players. It's more very player focused and team focused. The way you know. 
first team football is it's, it's virtually the opposite way around um, so many talented players coming through Liverpool's books at the moment it is just about honing their talents and, and there's a great chat with Alex Inglethorpe on, on our website at the moment James Pearce spoke to him didn't he quite recently and it's a very in-depth chat about how Liverpool go about scouting the, these young players and, and they get them through at the ages of 8 and 9 and they don't look too far because it interferes with, with the schoolwork if they're, they're travelling an hour and a half to training three nights a week so um, it, it was a really interesting piece and it, it just goes to show how much um, how much Liverpool are working behind the scenes at that level to try and unearth the next generation it's an interesting line in it as well about the contracts you know how it's all very incentivised for they have to perform on the pitch to earn a bit more yeah. that's that's yeah. something Liverpool have been quite keen on for a while actually that's back when Brendan Rodgers was the manager because he had the likes of Raheem Sterling obviously a very good player but the minute he, he kicked the ball not his eight but the talk was you know give him a new contract this that and the other same with Jordan Ibe and uh Brendan Rodgers was always like, well, we need to give them some kind of incentive. Not these these two players in particular, it's just that they were brought up. You look at the, the players who perhaps aren't quite as talented. They were just knocking on the first team door and then wanting thousands of pounds each week. And it's like, well, you haven't made it yet. You have to get in there and, and do something. You have to justify this wage. That's, that's what you're saying that Liverpool are doing. Yeah, and I suppose that helps them more in this cup run because I'm, imagine if they win the trophy, that's going to be nice for all the players there. But it's also about getting their balance right, like you've said about Sterling there. Um, did he get a pay rise after that first professional deal? He was on quite a low wage compared yeah. to the other players. And in hindsight, that's probably what cost Liverpool keeping hold of his services. Well, final thing that I know Joe Rimmer is not here. Uh, he's away at the moment, but it's the FA Cup this weekend. Did, we, did we know this? Yes, because... Um, Magic is all around us. Yeah. Exactly. I was <laughs> going to say, can you name any of the games that are going on? Oh, no, no chance. Uh, <laughs> QPR are playing tonight. Are they? Mm, See, I didn't know that. QPR, is that tonight? I yes. know that because wow. we looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> what FA Cup games on, on Friday night? Uh, oh, the Magic of the is, FA Cup. Uh, Chelsea United. That's the Monday game. Uh, Monday? Yes. Oh, it's terrible. I've just exposed that's myself as a really unlearned football fan there, haven't I? Can you I know it's Newport against Man City. Is that tomorrow? That might be the evening game tomorrow. Do you want to know the only three o'clock Saturday kickoff? Is it Bolton? No, they're not in the cup, are they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good guess, though. I think yeah, I've yeah, already gone Bolton. That's but... Are Blackburn still in it? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, now uh, Newcastle beat them. It's, That's uh, right, yeah. 4-2, mm. wasn't it? Yeah. Mills game. So uh, Everton could have had the three o'clock. I think it's at Wimbledon. Millwall against Wimbledon. Now that's a game for the about magic of the thirty cup. years ago. Yeah, that is a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it all kicks off and then the game starts. Yeah, right. And on that cup bombshell, we shall leave you. Join us later. Or, well, join us on Monday actually, where we will look ahead to the Bayern Munich game with hopefully James Pierce. And Cheerio. we'll go for uh, Millwall versus Wimbledon. <laughs> Replay. <laughs> You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.